Hello, it's episode 107. Today, I'm talking to you about how I created a home that I love. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, it's Danae here. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode 107. Today I am sharing more about how I created a home that I love and how I am falling in love with my new community. Sometimes loving and feeling gratitude for our homes and our communities doesn't necessarily come naturally. This month in the Simple Families Focus Group, we're talking about this, about finding gratitude and contentment in your home and in your community. Please join the discussion. Go to simplefamilies.com forward slash May and we'll chat more about this. Melody Warnick, who I interviewed in episode 106, is co-hosting the group along with Zoe from Raising Simple and I. So join us there at simplefamilies.com forward slash May and I look forward to getting to know you better. But first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Casper. If you're anything like me and you get decision fatigue, then shopping for a mattress is probably overwhelming. I know that when I walk into a mattress store, as soon as I've laid down on three or four different varieties, I have them all mixed up in my head. You spend a third of your life sleeping, so this is a big decision because you want to be comfortable. Casper is easily the internet's favorite mattress. It has over 20,000 reviews, averaging 4.8 stars across Amazon and Google. So if simplifying the mattress buying process appeals to you, I encourage you to try Casper. You can be sure of your purchase because you get 100 nights risk-free. If you're not happy with it, you can get free return shipping. No questions asked. But I think you're going to like it because the experts at Casper have worked tirelessly to make sure that you're going to get a quality night's sleep. And something else that I love is that everything has been designed and developed and assembled right here in the U.S. And right now, for the Simple Families audience, you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com forward slash family and using promo code family at checkout. Certain terms and conditions do apply. So again, that's casper.com forward slash family and use promo code family at checkout. Back to today's episode. This month on Simple Families, we're talking about loving where you live. That means finding a sense of rootedness and gratitude and contentment in the homes and communities that we're living in. In last week's episode, I spoke with Melody Warnick. That's episode 106. And Melody and I talked about her book, This Is Where You Belong. In Melody's book, she introduces the idea of place psychology and talks about what makes us feel connected and rooted to a certain place. So today I wanted to share with you my experience of how I created a home that I love, or I should say I am creating a home that I love because it is a work in process. It's a journey. I haven't always lived in spaces that I love or even really liked for that matter. If I think back to my childhood and my bedroom, My personal spaces were always somewhere that were cluttered and not enjoyable to be. And I would say that that style of living, cluttered and full of stuff, really stayed with me throughout my childhood, throughout my college years, even throughout my early adulthood years until I had my first child. I remember my mom nagging me a lot when I was a child to clean up my room. And I would go to my room and get to my room and think to myself, 
okay, I'm going to clean up my room. And then realize I had no idea how to clean up my room because I just had too much stuff and it overwhelmed me. I didn't have a proper place to put the things that I had. So while go clean your room seems like a simple, straightforward task, it never was for me. And it continued to be something that I always struggled with. So fast forward to when I'm 30 years old and I have my first child and I realize that I don't want to have this cluttered space, but organization is not the solution to my problem. I have to minimize. I have to reduce the number of things that I have. Because if organizing worked for me, it would have worked by then because I had tried to get organized many, many times and I could get organized. I just couldn't stay organized. Marie Kondo says there are two types of people, the people who can't put things away and the people who can't throw things away. And I am both of those people, which is why I have to be a minimalist. Otherwise, I would be living in chaos much of the time. I find that now, even though my home is rather minimal, I still struggle to put things away. I don't have a problem throwing things away anymore, though. That brings me to my very first solution for creating a home that I really love is to declutter and to really scale back on the number of things that I own and the number of things that my kids own. My husband has also taken to it in his own way. He does have a penchant for knickknacks, but we're working on that. So he keeps his collection of small random things like a Zippo lighter from the 1995 World Cup. As an adult, I don't try to control his things or to tell him what to keep or what to get rid of, and I really let him drive that and make those decisions. But I have found in my home that as one person starts going through the process of decluttering, that it tends to be something that others pick up on as well, even an extended family. So as far as creating a home that I love, I'll start with the home that my husband and I created after we got married. And we got married in 2010 and moved to Chicago to a small apartment for him to go to grad school. So we lived north of the city in Evanston, close to his university, and were there for two years. We had a tiny apartment and a tiny dog and not a lot of stuff because we left most of our most of our stuff in storage when we went there because we knew that this was going to be a short-term stay. That meant all the wedding gifts, the china, all that sort of thing, that all stayed in storage for our long-term or our real grown-up house that we were to move to after he finished school. So when he graduated in 2012, we moved to Dallas so that I could start my PhD program and so that he could start a new job and a new career. In Dallas, we found a lovely little 1960s ranch in the city of Dallas, but in the residential sections. And we had a nice yard. It was really a perfect home for us. We had pretty much everything that we needed at our fingertips. We could walk to Chipotle, Panera, Whole Foods, Starbucks, at least five good margaritas and two good burgers. But we knew that Dallas wasn't our forever home. And the whole almost five years that we spent there, we spent with one foot out the door. And as Melody talks about in her book, This Is Where You Belong, there's this feeling of you're not really rooted. You're not really invested in the place because you know it's just a stop on your journey. But a funny thing happened. We had both of our kids there and that shared experience of meeting new friends who are also going through this really incredible life change right along with us of adding children to the family really did root us to Dallas and to Texas in a way that we weren't expecting. For five years, I spent waiting and wondering what our next place would be, where we were going next, what the next step was going to be. 
And in the meantime, I didn't realize that I was actually really falling in love with the city and the people there. I made an amazing group of friends and really had a strong village to raise my kids in. So quite literally, the week of my graduation from my PhD program, my husband got a job offer for his dream job, but it was in the New York City area. So the whole moving process ended up taking about seven months. He was offered the job in December, and we ended up moving at the end of June. I had the scary task of leaving this home that we created together that we really loved and finding not only a new home that we love, but also a new community in a new state in a totally different part of the country. Being that it was not our first time as homeowners, we knew that we wanted to do things a little bit differently the next time around. One thing that was important to us was that we wanted to be close to nature. That was something that we always felt like Dallas was lacking that we really wanted, that there wasn't quite as much nature as we had hoped for, and there weren't quite as many places to go to take a day trip on the weekends. So we settled on Westchester County, New York, which is north of New York City which has some really stunning natural beauty, but at the same time is really accessible to get into the city. So on paper and in my head, as I intellectualized it all, it seemed like a really great fit. But I think something that this experience taught me is that there's much more to finding your community and to finding your perfect home than to check all the boxes for all the amenities. Just because Forbes magazine says that it's a really great place to live doesn't mean that it's a really great place to live for you. When it came to choosing a house and creating a new home that we really love, it was important to consider the the priority things. I was going to be working from home, but I wanted my husband to have a decent commute so he could be home in time to spend time with the kids. We also wanted to be more rural which was going to be a big shift for us since we were used to walking everywhere and having everything we needed at our fingertips. And I knew that I wanted to transition to somewhere that we could live more slowly. And I know that seems ironic for most people listening to think that you're going to move to the New York City area and expect to live more slowly. But we live in the suburbs far enough out that I feel like we miss the hustle and bustle of the commuters and of that rushed, hurried feeling. So part of living more slowly was that I didn't really want to be as close to Chipotle, Panera, Starbucks, all those big common restaurants because I wanted us to eat at home more. I wanted eating out and quick and easy food to be less accessible so that we would sit down together, eat together as a family, cook more. Well, that change was intentional and it was a shift to start living more slowly I learned very quickly that slow living and simple living are not necessarily synonymous because there's nothing simple about not having a microwave and our new house does not have a microwave. It's very slow to heat up any kind of leftovers. Living more slowly often takes more effort and more patience and that's been an adjustment to us as well. It's now been 10 months since we've been in New York and we've been living in our house. And I have to say that it wasn't necessarily love at first sight when I came to our house. I actually didn't visit. My husband came for a weekend for Memorial Day weekend last year to see the house and to visit six or seven other houses. And this is the one that he ended up choosing. I wouldn't recommend choosing a house in this way. I pretty much told him, you need to go and don't come back without a house because I didn't want to be homeless for too long. And we had already been separated from him for several weeks and I didn't want that to turn into months. 
And some people think that I'm crazy for sending my husband to pick the house, but he's actually much pickier than I am about these sort of things. So I thought that he would be able to discriminate and make a better decision than I would. And I completely trusted him. In addition to being rural, I really wanted to find a house that was interesting and had a lot of character. We loved our 60s ranch in Dallas, but it was the exact same house as the other 200 houses in our neighborhood. It had the same floor plan. It had the same space. It was almost identical across the board. The house that we ended up choosing, the house that we're living in now, is in fact very interesting and does have a ton of character. The house was formerly owned by a fashion designer who worked in the city, and she had absolutely beautiful taste. We ended up buying some of her furniture when she moved because it fit really nicely into the space. So on move-in day, when we came to the house, the house was pretty much empty with the exception of the few pieces of furniture that we bought. And immediately when I walked in, seeing the house mostly empty, I was like, holy bleep this house is falling down. Everything was crooked. The floors are crooked. The walls are crooked. The windows are crooked. The house is over 100 years old. It was a stable that was then turned into a house in the early 1900s. And I think that I probably broke into a cold sweat right then and there. When my husband had visited, the house was full of furniture, so it really detracted from a lot of the the crookedness of the house, and he wasn't able to notice any of it, and when he did visit, it was only for one shorter visit. So we were both a little bit surprised. Almost as surprised as in January when we got a heating bill that was as much as our mortgage. The house has been full of surprises, but I have to say that it is really lovely and it's really special and it's slowly starting to feel like ours. It's absolutely flawed, very flawed, but so are the people who live in it. The dining room floor may be completely falling in, but the garden and the cherry trees are breathtaking. Living in this house has really given me a new perspective about homes in that They're kind of like people. There's a lot of things that you really love about them, but then there's also a lot of things that kind of suck and some things you can change, most things you can't. And some of the sucky things that get on your nerves and you can't really change, you don't really want to anyways because that's part of what makes it special. So I wanted to share a few of the things that we have done in our home that have helped to make our house into a home. In particular, a home that really works for us and that is really authentic to us. The first is to treat the outdoor space with the same reverence as we do the indoor space. And that is because I want to spend as much outside time as possible. And if we have a beautiful, lovely space to do it in, we're more likely to use it. Sometimes I think we put all of our time, energy, and money into the inside of the house, and we don't do as much with the outside and with the yard. But it's important to us, and we've really made an effort to keep up the outside and the landscaping and the areas that we can entertain in so that we do want to spend our time there. Now, back to the inside of the house. Before we moved, in Dallas, we were living in about 2,200 square feet. We wanted to find a house that was the same, perhaps a little bit smaller. We ended up in about 2,800 square feet. Just a matter of this is the house that we ended up picking and really liking. So I knew that I didn't want to fill up that extra space with stuff. So one thing that we've done is to really embrace that we are going to have some empty spaces, and that's totally okay. 
like I mentioned, we bought some of the furniture from the previous owners used and it fit really nicely into the space. So that helped to prevent us from having to buy things brand new and to prevent us from having to do the design process on that. One thing that I'm finding I absolutely love is that all the walls are white. We have painted one wall in one room, but other than that, the entire house is white. And there's something about the white walls that I'm really enjoying. Our last house had a lot of color, but the white walls really seem to open it up and to make it feel like a blank slate. So to me, I'm loving the clean feeling of freshly painted white walls all through the house. Considering we do have a pretty unusual floor plan, we spent a few months living in the house just feeling like we were in limbo, not knowing where to put anything. And we ended up having a friend who's an interior designer come to help us do some decorating and help us to place some objects. And that ended up being a really great investment. I think that we're enjoying the spaces more, we're using them more, and they are more beautiful, that's for sure. In designing the spaces in our home, we were really careful to consider not only the things that the adults love, but also the things that the kids love. Coming up in episode 109, I'm going to be talking with Nicole Kavanaugh from the Kavanaugh Report, and she and I discuss how to create a home that is child-friendly rather than child-proof, and this is a topic that I've been passionate about for as long as I've had children. Therefore, in an effort to create a home that we love, we were sure to include the kids and setting up and designing our home in a way that they can really participate and live fully. That means we have plenty of stools so they can get up and wash their hands in the bathroom, mirrors and art that are low and down on their level, plenty of child-sized cooking utensils and cleaning supplies garden tools and garden equipment, and other things that my kids need to feel like they're really living with us in a purposeful way and that they're being helpful and that they are contributing to our home and to our family. I'm looking forward to sharing more about that in episode 109. Now, when we moved, we did have to get rid of some furniture. We found that the furniture from our old home didn't necessarily fit the spaces and the needs that we had in our new home. And that was hard to do because furniture is something that you invest a lot of money in, a lot of time in picking out, and letting it go can be difficult. But sometimes it's also necessary. For example, in our last house, we didn't have a formal dining room, and in this house, we do have a dining room. And in our last house, we had a formal living room, and this house, we don't have that. So the space and the functions called for different types of furniture. And I really didn't want to try to cram everything that I had in the space that we have now, because there were a lot of things that just didn't fit for one reason or another. So rather than trying to squeeze in things that don't fit and don't work, and rather than going out and buying all brand new furniture and new things to fill up a new house... We're taking it little by little. We're adding things as we go when we find things that we really love. At first, I was worried doing it little by little like this would prevent us from really feeling settled in our house, but we actually are feeling really settled and really content even though we don't have everything we want and everything we need yet. And actually, when we were working with our friend who helped us with the design, we had intended on picking out some new chairs for our living space. And after taking a few months dragging my feet on it, I've decided that I actually didn't even want the chairs and I just preferred to have the space empty. So sometimes living in a space and waiting to make those decisions can actually help and can help you to make better decisions that are going to fit your family for the long term. Moving into this new house has been 
a big change on so many levels. And one of the biggest is that we are in a whole new community. And because we are rural, it's not as easy to meet the neighbors and there's not as much of a sense of community. But there still is a sense of community. You just have to go looking for it a little bit more. In the move from Dallas to New York, I really felt like I lost my village and that the people and the friends that I had that I was so close with there that I didn't have them here and I wasn't sure if I was going to find them here. And I have to say, even though I haven't met a core group of friends like I had before, I have met a lot of really lovely people. And I think that the longer we're here, the more settled we're going to feel and the more established those friendships are going to become. So again, I think it's taking it little by little and not expecting an overnight switch and not expecting these things to develop overnight or even after a year or two years. One of the first things that my husband and I did when we moved was to enroll in a master naturalist training. Every state in the U.S. has a master naturalist training that is particular to that state. It's something that we always wanted to do when we lived in Texas and we never found the time to do. But when we came to New York, we thought it would be a really wonderful way to get acquainted with not only a new community, but a new environment and a whole new type of nature. So we spent a weekend learning about all things nature in the state of New York. And as a part of the certification process to become a master naturalist, we have to do a large volunteer project. And for that, we are starting what's called a free forest school, which is a nonprofit. And in that, we'll be leading weekly classes or gatherings, I should say, out in nature with members of the community. The result of this has been twofold. We have had an opportunity to really connect with the nature and the outdoors of our new community. And hopefully, as we start to establish this free forest school, we will be able to meet lots of other families who are like-minded and have similar interests to us. I have been trying to put myself out there in the community. There's a local studio that hosts a lot of art classes and workshops. And even though that's not necessarily my thing, I've been dabbling in it as a way to meet new people. And as I said in my chat with Melody last week, one of the biggest losses that we've experienced in the move is the loss of walkability and the fact that we can't walk anywhere from our house now. So I think this is something that I want to improve upon. I do want to wander and I want to walk a little bit more. If it's not in my neighborhood, perhaps it's somewhere nearby in my community. But getting outside and walking and seeing the streets from a different perspective on foot. It's kind of funny. Last July, right after we moved in, I told my husband, I am never, ever moving again. It was such a hard, emotional, traumatic process for our family that I just never, ever wanted to experience that again. And now that I have recovered from that difficult period, I still feel like this might be the place that we stay. And I feel really invested in creating a life and a home that we really love here. So while I don't know what the future holds for us, this might be it. And I'm really loving the stability of being somewhere that I'm not planning on leaving. Although I would be open to it if the opportunity or the necessity ever arose. So that's my story. I'd love to hear from you. Please join us in this discussion this month. Go to simplefamilies.com forward slash May. Melody and Zoe and I from Raising Simple are talking about this all month. How do you create a home that you love? How do you find enjoyment and contentment in your community? 
I would love to hear your ideas and things that have worked for you or perhaps struggles and challenges that you have around this topic. So again, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash May and you can join us there. You can also feel free to leave a comment in the show notes, simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 107. I would love to hear from you there too. Thanks for tuning in today and listening to me ramble about how I have created a home that I love. And I do absolutely consider it to be a work in progress. If you've enjoyed this episode and the Simple Families podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a rating or review for the show. Your support is greatly appreciated. Have a good one.